Hello and welcome to another episode of Cloud Security Podcast. In today's episode of Virtual Coffee with Ashish, we had Alyssa Knight as a guest. She's a serial entrepreneur and she came in to talk about hacking into connected cars. We spoke about API security, what is it that people should consider when trying to put APIs on their cars or publicly available. We also spoke about how the new app or the new update from Apple OS is considering having contact information similar to for people in Australia who have the COVID safe app. It records information of contact with other people, which is kind of scary. But anyway, it was one of the topics that came up as well. Primarily, it was around API security and what you could be doing to protect your cars and probably complain to your provider, your car provider, in terms of how good or bad their OEM is. It's a great episode if you're looking for a primer in connected cars as well as API security. And if you have any further questions, you can always reach out to Alyssa directly. The information would be in the show notes. The episode goes live on on LinkedIn, but you can re-watch the episode on YouTube as well as IGTV. We're on Instagram as well. And I'm looking forward to having more guests and more questions from you guys. I do appreciate the 30-odd people that came online and watched the live show. Um, It gets aired at 8 a.m. Sunday, Australian Eastern Standard Time. And I'm looking forward to catching up with some of you um, and interacting with you on LinkedIn as I've been doing for the past few weeks. So really appreciate the questions. Please do keep them coming. And if you do want to support our content, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel or you can just subscribe to the podcast as well. If that's just the kind of consume, um, the content you like to consume. But enough about me and let's get into the episode and let's learn about hacking connected cars. Hello and welcome to another episode of Coffee with Ashish. My name is obviously Ashish. Um, I am here with Alyssa Knight today. I'm going to bring her online, but I wanted to quickly, for people who are jumping in, I just want to quickly give you a quick 30-second spiel on what, what, what we are and what we do. So I started the whole virtual coffee with Ashish because I wanted to keep having coffee with people. But the whole COVID-19 situation made it very impossible. So I started this virtual coffee series so I could still meet people and I could still have conversations with them, um, but with the safety of uh, their home and my home. So the intent is to cover any cybersecurity topic that I've, that people who are in my network would be interested in or I'm interested in. Today's topic is one of those ones, which is about connected cars and hacking connected cars. I'm not going to even pretend that I know what I'm talking about. So that's why I got myself an expert for it. I'm going to bring her on in a moment. Hey, Alyssa. Hey. Coming on the welcome to the show. Um, I, I know we it's have spoken true. about uh, before in my other podcast, which is that security podcast. But I'm glad I could bring you over here as well. Yeah, and thank you. I'm not gonna butcher your introduction, right? I, I think I've I've tried giving different versions of it. I'm like, how do I make this sound? Because she's already <laughs> so amazing. But how do I Aww. like you know portray this? So um, I'm gonna, uh, if you don't mind, if you could introduce yourselves to the audience. Uh, for people who haven't heard of you before. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, I'm such a big deal. Everyone should know about me. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Why I don't you guys know about it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, um, I'm Melissa Knight. Um, I am the... Uh, gosh, who am I? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a recovering Whoa. hacker. Um, I'm in a 12-step program for recovering hackers. 
Uh, I have, um, so I've been working in cybersecurity for about 20 years. Um, typical Hollywood story, arrested for hacking into a government network when I was 17. Uh, went to go work for the US intelligence community in cyber warfare at one point. Um, started and sold two previous cybersecurity startups. I'm in the middle of an M&A on my third. Um, started a venture capital fund to invest in startups uh, back in Chicago. Uh, I am now uh, the partner at Night Inc. where I'm doing content marketing for cybersecurity vendors. I'm also a published author. I just got a new book deal to write a second book. And uh, my first book was on hacking connected cars. I lived in Stuttgart, Germany for a while, hacking into connected cars, and um, uh, just traveled around Asia, Europe, uh, talking about how to actually hack telematics control units which are basically the cell, the, the cell chips within connected cars. Uh, and um, yeah, so that's me in a nutshell. Wow. <laughs> I, 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 would say that, I would say as a hacker, I, I focus more on embedded systems. I, I'm very big into, you know, like the research I published where I uh, hacked a bank through at CCTV cameras in the parking lot. Um, you know, I, I like to target, I like to target very labyrinthine areas of security, like connected cars, embedded systems, connected medical devices. Uh, yeah. I, I like to target the stuff that isn't very commodity. I, I, I like to niche myself in specific areas of security. Interesting. And, uh, well, I was going to straight dive into questions, but before we dive into questions, because this is a coffee show that's amazing um so i'm gonna start with the obvious question for people who don't know what is connected cars oh man any car made after 2001 so uh gmc gm onstar was actually what really uh introduced the connected car and uh i believe it's any car made after 2001 um, so for those of you who think you're impervious to being hacked because you're not driving around in a Tesla, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> I, and here you I was thinking so that I'm wrong. safe. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, really any car um, it, these days is connected, uh, whether it's a Jeep or a Nissan or a Chevy or, you know, Mercedes, whatever it is, they're all connected. Also, it's connected in the context of connected to either to the internet or mobile phone or uh, to a device or it can connect to a device is that yeah true? sorry so let me let me just expound upon that um so the uh, cars have sim chips in them very much like a cell phone so all of you need to stop thinking about cars as like this just combustion engine and you know uh it's 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 a network it's a network on wheels uh, i would go as far to say that it's a cell phone on wheels because it's if you think about it, you know, there's network interfaces to it, like wireless. Um, and a lot of automakers, they're connecting the, uh, the basically the router for the car, which is the TCU. Think of it as the router for the car. Uh, they're connecting the TCU to the head unit over Wi-Fi in many cases. Um, it's got a Bluetooth interface, uh, Wi-Fi, yeah. GSM. Uh, you know, so what does that sound like? It sounds like a cell phone. So, yeah. you know, it's... Um, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, cars yeah. are not, you know, just these unconnected devices anymore. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit scary as well because I just because funny enough when I wrote the post for it, I'm like, oh, I think it's just as Tesla or any electronic car like cruise automation or Lyft and Uber 
But now, just like uh, if if I have a a, a Nissan after two thousand one, I'm still I guess uh, still affected by this. This is scary. But so I think the you know so the whole part I guess this, the the virtual coffee came off the cloud security podcast that I run as well, and um, the intent was to kind of cover the topics around cloud security, and then it kind of. Just, as I was going through it, it kind of made sense that, oh, actually, anything which is running on cloud has APIs and is primarily on, I guess, embedded systems are also running on a lot of APIs. So like Tesla was a great example. That's kind of where the whole connected cars and conversation came in, where Tesla has a dedicated connection uh, to the main hub uh, where it's learning or I guess training its machine learning algorithm as the cameras are picking up information. That's my understanding. Yeah, so... Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. So exactly, you you made a good point here. Uh, a- APIs are very much the glue that glues the Internet of Things together. Um, and he, whether it's a connected car or it's the baby monitor in your house, you know, or you know, a a smart lock. Everything, any everything within the Internet of Everything, uh, <laughs> it's, it connects to back in the API servers. Your car is actually phoning home and communicating with an API server. At the on the uh, car makers automakers backend, so those are API servers that the car is communicating with, and um, you know API stands for application programming interface, yeah. and now even banks are are being powered by APIs. You know we've left this this world of monolithic applications, uh, and we've moved to this microservices model where everything is kind of running in little pieces and all of those little pieces are communicating over what's called APIs. And if any of you have seen my YouTube channel, by the way, subscribe, I'm trying to hit uh, a thousand <laughs> subscribers um, before the Wait, weekend. what's the name of the channel? Uh, uh, YouTube.com slash C slash Alyssa Knight. So there if you're you interested, yeah, if you want to follow my vulnerability research, I publish my videos on YouTube. Uh, so check it out if you haven't. Uh, but nice yeah, one. so... There's actually there's actually a video on my YouTube channel that talks about that actually shows me hacking a European bank's API servers. This of course was a client, so it wasn't illegal. But yeah. um, they they gave me permission to record, and so you can actually see me going through the process of hacking an API server for a bank, uh, where I can change the pin code of any uh, bank customer's debit card, or you know transfer money out of their account without a user account. The problem is is that companies are, are are spawning, building these API endpoints, and they don't know how to properly secure them. They're trying to secure them with traditional web application firewalls and you know traditional security that you would use to secure a web server. And it's the wrong tool for the job. It's like trying to you know use a screwdriver on a nail. It's it's when you should be using a hammer. You know, you, you uh, need to be using API right. security solutions instead. So um, yeah, so everything is powered by APIs. Much yeah, great point. That's really interesting in terms of so, and kind of that's kind of where when we were talking about this about hacking connected cards earlier, and when you mentioned APIs, that that instantly caught my attention. Like, oh, I need to bring Alyssa in. So, um, API security. I guess what does good as API security look like? And what and I guess bearing in mind, uh, some of the audience members are probably still quite new to the API concept because. Uh, there might be people who might be quite advanced, or they might be having uh, public-facing APIs of their um, of their company, which may be I don't know. So it's not a way, it's even though it's public, but it may be authentication enabled in terms of they might have people. Um, it would only work on a certain token, like kind of like trying to do what AWS does. So right. in in that space, 
I guess, what does good API security look like in your opinion? Yeah, great, great question. So if you don't mind, I'll quickly explain what APIs are in a way that yep. your audience can understand it. So uh, my wife actually loves this analogy. Um, so think of, think of APIs as this. Um, so you have electrical companies, you have your house, right? So the electrical companies are generating electricity with nuclear, charcoal, you know, what, you know, wind, uh, you know, whatever. Or you have like in Vegas here, Salt, um, uh, Sun City, right? So oh, yeah. all these ways that these electrical companies are generating electricity, you don't care how the electricity is getting generated. It's just that the electricity uh, comes to your 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 house. The um, the electrical company generates the electricity, sends the electricity over the power lines to your house where the electricity company doesn't care what you plug into the plug. You can plug your iPhone in to charge it. You can plug your hair, hair blower in. You can plug in your lamp. The electrical company doesn't care what you put into it. It's just as, as long as it can fit into the electrical socket and, and pull electricity. Um, so that's an API. The API provider is the electrical company at this point. At this in this scenario, the um, uh, electrical sockets in your house are the API endpoint, the API servers, and your device that you're plugging into the outlet uh, is like the mobile app. It's it's or whatever that or your car that's pulling, sending and pulling data from the API endpoint, and the uh, provider, in this case the electrical company, is providing that data. So that's the best analogy I can give all of you. Um, before we used to design websites like Amazon.com was one big monolithic web application. Think of it as too many cooks in the kitchen trying to stir the same pot, right? All, too many developers trying to write the same code for the same app. So what we did was we figured out, well, that sucks. That's stupid. Let's break this thing up. So um, now we're living in an age of microservices where that one big Amazon.com website is broken up into a shopping cart, um, the, the catalog, uh, the checkout, the, you know, the, the front page, all of that is broken up into these different services. And all of those services can then be worked on by individual developers or teams of developers. And they're not all, you know, overriding each other's code. They're not all stepping on each other. And those microservices talk to each other through APIs. So it looks like one big giant web application to us when we go to amazon.com, when in fact it's about 50 or 100 or more microservices that are all being powered and by APIs. That's awesome. And here I thought the electricity in Vegas comes from casino, not from the sun. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm, I actually just saw Sun City the other day. My wife took me out. It was amazing. I, if you have not seen Sun City yet, it's 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 built by Tesla. So Tesla oh. built something called Sun City out here in Las Vegas. And it's just miles of, um, uh, what are those, uh, solar panels, miles of solar panels. And they're providing, they're generating electricity out the sun. And it was built by Tesla. And it's called Sun City. It's right outside of Las Vegas. And it's it's a marvel to see. Like, it's massive. Wow. Anyway, wow. Your, 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 your question was, how should people be securing their APIs? The problem is, is that companies are treating them like web servers and they're trying to secure them with web application firewalls or even API gateways like, you know, the MuleSofts and Apogees of the world. Um, but there's actually API security products out there that people should be using, like Salt Security, like some of these other uh, API security vendors, where the, the 
to the um, system is interdicting that traffic or or it's being passed to that tr that solution off of a span port right a passive uh, port on the switch and it's analyzing that API traffic and it's looking for API tax the reason why web application firewalls for example don't work very well for protecting apis is they're looking for traditional web attacks like SQL injection um, cross-site scripting and all that stuff versus Alyssa's presenting this API token, but she's requesting all of this data. The token's real, the token's correct, but should she be requesting all of this data? A web application firewall isn't going to be looking for something like that. A web application, you know, so, but an API security solution will. And one thing I can tell you, Ashish, the biggest problem that companies have is they don't know what APIs they're running. They don't know where they are. They don't know how many they've got. It's kind of like that whole, that whole quote, you can't protect what you don't know you have. And some companies are running hundreds, even thousands of APIs. And they don't, they don't know where they are. It's called, it's a shadow API problem. So you know, do you need like an asset management for APIs as well then? Yeah, so so um, these API security solutions like Salt Security, um, disclaimer, they are a client of mine, um, but uh, um, mm -hmm. they, the solutions like Salt Security will catalog your API servers, let you know um, how many you've got in your environment, let you know what, it'll even, you know, someone will even tag it uh, as PII, right? So this API is serving transmitting processing or storing pii so you know there's i just can't imagine an organization these days especially with all the api breaches trying to protect their apis with api management solutions with security as a feature or a web application firewall it's asinine it doesn't make sense as a hacker i love it when companies do that <laughs> <laughs> if I'm trying to protect them or monitor their network and secure them. Uh, I, I wouldn't use a WAF or or so, management. So I, I think it's interesting because a lot of people try and copy the whole Amazon uh, model of, or we want our data to be public so that our customers can consume it. And to your point, if it's something as basic as authorization and authentication that people kind of don't do well. What's the, um, so is, is like, I think if we just go by, I don't want to go too technical in case if it just goes over, um, I guess some people's head and they can reach out to you directly for getting too technical into it. Yeah, sure. From a very basic perspective, um, I guess authentication, which is kind of like the bare minimum they should have, people kind of imagine because it's public, it should have authentication. It should have like a, something like a cloud front for people who are using AWS, which gives them denial of service uh, protection. Is that, pointless or is that still relevant no i mean yeah i would say that nothing in security is pointless you know if you want to think about it, i've always been a big proponent of the fact that security should be built in layers like an onion so mm -hmm. first figure out what it is that you're trying to protect and then build your layers of security around that data or that crown jewels so in this case in an api you've got the data that the api is serving and you want to build your security like layers of an onion around that and uh so you know nothing's pointless um i would use uh you know an api security or they're called api threat management solutions now um but you know you want to use an api threat management solution you want to use um definitely an authentication authorizations uh you know it's that whole cia triad right from the yeah, CIA yeah. 
confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Now you want to make sure that you're, you're, you're putting in authentication, not only authenticating the individual and making sure that those tokens expire and, and are, you know, being regenerated uh, short life lifetimes, uh, but also authorized just because I'm authenticating as a sheesh doesn't necessarily mean I'm authorized to see that data. Right. Just yep. because I have a key, let's say they hard coded it in a mobile app, which is a thing, by the way, I, I run into that a lot. Um, yeah. Still in 2020, I still run into hard coded API keys. Yeah. Like, like mobile wait, apps. So is the hard, like, I'm going to do the obvious developer thing. Is the hard coded API key encrypted? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, there's a difference between obfuscation and encryption. Um, uh, so you know, a lot of a lot of developers don't realize you can you can reverse engineer a, a mobile app and grab everything that's been hard coded in their API um, uh, requests that are hard coded in the app uh, to API tokens uh, or API keys. So yeah, have a strong authentication authorization solution like a Ping Identity or or whomever, but make sure that. You're, you're doing strong authentication and you're authorizing those requests because just because I have a working token also, does that mean that I should be able to do a pull for everything in the database? No, have restrictions, authorize what those tokens and what those keys are, are able to do. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's that whole, I think the reason why history repeats itself in cybersecurity is the reason why we keep repeating our mistakes when it comes to cybersecurity is because we're not learning from our past. We'll, 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 you know, build something new and fancy and shiny. And we've got this shiny new toy like APIs and we're not, we're not remembering and going back to the basics of security. Like, confidentiality, integrity, and availability. And, you know, so every time a new shiny new toy comes out and we do something cool and we innovate, unfortunately, cybersecurity, you know, always is the last in line. You know, it's, it's, it's always 10 years late to the prom, as I like to say. <laughs> 10 years late to the prom. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to take a moment over here just to, for people who are watching, I think we've got about 10, 12 people watching across Twitch and LinkedIn. If anyone Yay! who's listening uh, have any questions, feel free to leave a comment and uh, I'm sure Alyssa would be happy to answer them or uh, we can come back to when to come back to the questions towards the end of the show. All right, sweet. As the operational side of things done, the next question that I was, I was going to ask you is, API is very popular these days and even though it's connected and I know I'll bring back to the connected cars again so I'm pretty sure people are here hear about connected cars as well um how, how different is the enterprise API security to say a connected car like I think what's the I guess what's the difference you would see between an is, is there any difference between the API that's used for cars versus enterprise or are they same similar threat model um you know uh that's a great question. Um, I would say, you know, there's there's APIs for sure like that are used in different industries, different sectors, different, you know, things. But there, there, it's it's just code that the it's an it's code that the developers created. Um, APIs will serve different things, but their the functionality is the same, right? Just like back to my analogy of electrical companies, there's different electrical companies. Some make some make electricity through nuclear, some make them through coal. Um, but it's still producing electricity, right? 
It's, yeah. you know, so it's, yeah, there's, there's different API servers for different things. Um, but you know, they're, they're all fundamentally the same thing. They're, they're enabling applications to talk to each other. Uh, it's enabling communication between applications and devices. You know, it's uh, whether it's a car or it's the parking meter, you know, actually those things that are in smart cities, those things that lift up and down and let you into the parking lot. Um, the, the, that's, that's, a smart device. It's talking with an API. You know, a lot of those are are connected. Um, you know, you've got ticks like traffic information stuff. You got all these things, all this um, innovation and intelligence being added to smart cities and um, and highways and roads. And it's it's all to make life better, safer. Who is it that the CEO of America is for? Um, was it Honda or Hyundai? Who said, um, you know, he's got a zero uh, crash. Um, goal uh, because of autonomous vehicles and, and smart cars by like, what was it? 2021 or something like it's soon. It's like wow, next year. Soon. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the well, thing I guess is he, that, I was going to quickly say, I think, I mean, he may not be bad. He may not be wrong because of COVID because since no one's driving, I guess the crash rate would already be zero, I guess. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's I, that that's obviously a very lofty goal, right? Like zero mm -hmm. crashes. I mean, Jesus. But I mean, it, it's great. Like, but I mean, that's the kind of in, that's the kind of innovation uh, that can save lives, right? So you know, you think about how many people die every day because of a car accident around the world, you know. And so, um, you know, when you're talking about connected cars, you have what's called V2X or V2V, vehicle to vehicle. And so, if you're driving in front of me, right? And I'm driving behind you. The concept is that you would, your car, once it hits a, um, a pothole, will send data over, believe it or not, 802.11p, right? So it actually uses wireless protocol, Wi-Fi, like you would use in your house, but 802.11p. And it would send data to my car and say, hey, Alyssa, I just ran into a pothole your car needs to go around it. There's a pothole in front of you. That is what's happening with V2V. So actually not just sharing traffic information, but also I just ran into a pothole, you know, um, or, you know, the, there's a, there's a, a five car pile up in front of me. I've just slammed my brakes on, you know, that kind of information is being, is going to be communicated between cars over eight to 11 P. Wow. That, that would be awesome. And I think to, to your point, we all need safer cars as well, because I think as uh, as security has it, humans are, humans are the biggest weakness or yeah. security. Same with cars as well, I feel. Oh, like yeah. Like, you know, God forbid I can't, you know, Facebook while driving or, you know, <laughs> Teams, Microsoft Teams or LinkedIn while driving, you know, or Tweet yeah. while driving. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's interesting. I just saw this question pop up from Siddharth about, um, you know, third party oh, yeah. solutions, um, you know, for securing APIs, you don't have to use third party solutions. Obviously, if you're in an enterprise, if you're, you're monitoring or running enterprise APIs, um, you want enterprise grade security, but yes, I think it's all of the above Siddharth. I think if I'm saying your name properly. 
Um, yes, I, you know, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's, it's all of the above. It's, it's writing more secure code and s implementing, and you know, uh, security solutions once it's in production. But I think all too often developers sort of rely on the security team to take care of it from there. And so I think developers, we as organizations, need to start sending our developers to. Um, uh, you know, to secure development training. No, yeah, we're training our employees like our receptionists all the way down to, you know, our executives through cybersecurity awareness training every year as a matter of compliance. But we need to start sending our developers to secure code training, you know, and, and, and shift left in security where the vulnerabilities are being identified um, yep. instead uh, while the code is being written in the IDE rather than waiting until it's uh, deployed into production. Oh, so to just to take a leave from the last question then, so securing APIs, can that be done? I guess you probably obviously need a tool for it. Are there open source versions to it as well, or are there only paid versions at the moment for API security? Um, you know, there's there's definitely stuff that, that people can implement, such as OAuth. Um, which is, you know, uh, which will help with the token. Yeah, exactly. Um, authentication, authors, um, authentication. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, um, all of the above. Um, there are open source free things you can do. Um, I want to say, um, I know things like Sneak, um, they're doing things in microservices, vulnerability management. Yep. Um, so there's definitely some things out there that you can look at on sure. the open source side. Um, oh, yeah, but, yeah, 100%. I think maybe yeah. a couple of examples that I was thinking of more in terms of if, uh, if they're doing, like, if they do something as basic as just logging the API request coming in so they know what kind of requests are being, how they're being responded to and what, what's really happening. In terms of, say, for example, Alyssa comes in with a request to access uh, your Tesla car API, but should she be able to access that port which talks to the mothership of Tesla? Or should she just be talking to the interface, or should she just be allowed to change music on the Tesla car or whatever? Right? I think that could be right. like doing that basic step. I feel is a good start if that's what he's, I guess, thinking of as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 just it's making sure that as a developer, we're we're saying, okay, this is what you can do with the API, and this is what you can't do, right? Like. I shouldn't be able to call everything from the database just because I have a token, right? I mean, it's 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 making sure that, and I don't know, maybe maybe it's developers just wanting to, and and I don't want, I don't mean to offend developer. <laughs> Hope you're not all developers. Like God, this Alyssa man, she's really mean. Um, uh, but you know, I think I think if we can just start thinking more securely, like you know critical thinking using critical thinking while writing code like yeah i mean uh, should i be able to communicate with that api if i'm actually not the tesla right like so there's this there's this other api security solution um critical blue um that that's got this api security solution um called approve and they actually are an sdk so like Siddharth, you can you can actually write your API with uh, the um, with the uh, uh, SDK and not have not really interrupt that SDLC, right? Like the biggest problem that API security companies are trying to do is eliminate the friction, 
right? Developers do not want friction. Don't give me anything more that I have to do to write my code, especially if it means security. And I think, you know, one of the things of things like um, like Critical Blue is is that there it's just an SDK you compile in with your app and your API is secure, right? And what it does is it's, it looks at the traffic and says, hmm, that traffic doesn't look like it's coming from Alyssa's Tesla. That traffic looks like it's coming from Postman, you know, uh, uh, an API client. Uh, yeah. That that API traffic isn't coming from Ashish's mobile phone. It's coming from, you know, Alyssa's Postman client. So, you know, the, that sort of stuff. But unfortunately, a lot of things like that are not free and open source, you know. But I mean, again, if, I mean, if you think about how much a breach costs, you know, you, you're, you're, there's already data getting published for Equifax for Target for these major. I mean, and Equifax was the result of of a freaking Apache Struts vulnerability. Like that's API stuff. Like, you know, it's it's just it's in we're that was what a two billion dollar cost to Equifax. It was insane. Yep. It was massive. It is always insane. I think I I always find interesting uh, having conversations about this uh, with. I guess for people from, from who may not be technical as well, and I think you did a great thing by explaining with the uh, electric company example, because I think that kind of lays out the fact that you, if we relate the vulnerability to uh, something that you can understand, even as a developer or as an exec, it's really easy for people to kind of realize and feel as paranoid as every security person out there. As there's a reason why every time you tell someone, "I'm gonna go, I'm gonna have a public API." They would be like, okay, maybe we should talk about this first before you open it to the internet. And there is a there's a reason for that kind of reaction from a lot of security people. Um, and just taking that a step further uh, to your point about the executives, um, do you feel okay? Maybe because we do have a few people who are CISOs, CISOs, and head of securities. How do you relate? I guess explain this to them, and what can they be doing today? To kind of oh like what's at your point about you mentioned your products already, um, well, what should they be doing to I guess start off with and consider making this important I guess in their in yeah their I mean if for the for you CISOs out there like one of the things you need to remember and and like I this is coming from so I worked the large biotech breach alongside Mandiant um, in the APT investigations. Um, I've done APT incident response. I'm a forensic analyst as well, and I've done digital forensics and incident response. And one thing I can tell you, and you know what I'm about to say, CISOs, um, the first head to roll in a breach is the CISO. It doesn't matter if it was your fault or not your fault or someone else's fault or the supplier's fault or the developer's fault. The first head to roll is the CISOs. And, you know, it's, it's, they're always looking for a fall guy, right? Or fall girl. Um, the thing is, is that, um, you know, my recommendation advice to CISOs is if you look at the Equifax breach, it was a $1.4 billion cost plus legal fees. That doesn't include the legal fees, right? And that statistic was just posted here in 2020, you know? Like, they're still posting about the 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 surmounting costs, right, with, with the Equifax breach. We're talking about the, the, the breach of, of data of 150 million Americans, right? And you look at, okay, let's, let's think about this for a minute right 1.4 billion dollars and you're and you're concerned about a $100,000 cost for an API security solution like you know that's less than the salary i'm sure you're making ciso you know i mean i'm sure you're making more than 100,000 a year you know it's less than your salary yeah i mean it's like yeah hopefully there um <laughs> you know but 
Um, otherwise, you need to be looking for a new job. Anyway, <laughs> uh, without the breach, um, you know. But I mean, I think I think we need to start realizing that you know when you start getting you know pissed off with how much these things are costing, like you need to think about the cost of a breach. And the fact that you probably won't have a job once the breach and incident response is over. In every single one of the breaches I've worked over the last 20 years, the CISO was always fired. Always fired. It doesn't matter. like It was their fault or not their fault. It doesn't matter how big the company is. In every single one of the breaches I've worked, uh, there were resignations. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, and you don't want to be tied to that. It's like, you know, like the, 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 God, the, the, the CISO of Equifax, she was beat up by the court of public opinion in that. I mean, she was like, they were attacking her personally, like what her degree was. And, oh, yeah, know, I she, remember that one. Yeah, I was, that? I that. yeah, oh, my God. That was oh, insane. I felt so bad for her. And it's like, you know, it was, yeah, it was, and it was long after, you know, Equifax. And, you know, it's like, it's horrible. Like, you, you it's the only thing I can tell you is that, like, you know, you don't want your personal brand as a CISO because we're all brands now, right? It doesn't matter if yeah. you're a content marketer or an influencer like myself. We are all brands. And right. when you're, which is why when you're applying for a job, the employer uh, is, you know, looking at uh, your, your Twitter feed, looking at your Facebook, looking at your LinkedIn when you're applying for a job. They're not just looking at your resume. As a matter of fact, I would dare to say that they really don't care about your resume anymore. They want to know what you're posting on your Twitter wall. You know, yeah. what are you tweeting about? Um, you know, so uh, I think, you know, you need to respect the fact that you are a brand. And when you're talking about the cost of, of implementing security controls, uh, I think it ends up being a lot less than you having to find a new job or, you know, the cost so, of your friend being associated. You're saying that when I write on Twitter that any post of mine is my own, not my employer's. <laughs> <laughs> that is so stupid. I'm sorry. Like I have to, and and I'm I'm probably gonna get my car keyed for this uh, for for a lot of you, but. I, cause I see it. It's so stupid to me because it's like, actually, no, it doesn't matter whether you put that or not. If you put something up like praising the most recent terrorist attack, you know, uh, it, or, you know, saying something that's, you know, racist or, uh, you know, against LGBTQ, like it doesn't matter if you have that disclaimer. First of all, someone's going to tag your employer and say, hmm, this is interesting. These are the kind of people you hire. It doesn't matter if you have that banner on there. My, these posts are my opinions and not that my employees. The employer's going to yeah. call you into the human resources office and, you're, yep. you're, <laughs> and your job's going to be gone. It doesn't matter if you have that or not. Um, yep. And, and uh, also your personal brand. I mean, that doesn't cover your personal brand. You say something stupid on social media, that stuff lives forever. That's right. That's right. I think it's... Um... It's, it's funny, right? I think because you, you, both you and I are quite a bit on social media, like both of us. Oh, yeah. and I both have YouTube channels, uh, Twitch, yeah. and all that. And it's, I'm sure you do this as well. You kind of have to have a mental filter every time that, am I okay for this to be out there on the internet? Yeah, good point. Yeah, you're good. That's a great point. You know, I mean, and, and you do because you have to think about like before you, um, uh, you're welcome, Siddharth. <laughs> um, before you post something, you need to think or retweet something. Uh, what am I retweeting? 
Who is it that tweeted it there in the first place? Like, you don't want to accidentally retweet something from David Duke, right? Like, oh, this is a great retweet. Like, great tweet. I'm going to retweet this. Oh, <laughs> you know, and then have your followers, you know, 70,000 followers tell you, uh, why are you retweeting David Duke? You know, like, I, it's, <laughs> but, you know, and you're African American, you know, but like, you know, but it's, it's, uh, you just got to be careful what you do out there on social media because you just don't know what you're doing. You don't, you know, and even if you go in there and delete the tweet, you are done it doesn't matter like it does not matter but um, yeah. yeah you have to be careful yeah, well, there's another question uh, by the way hi david raviv um he's, a, he's also an awesome jew in new york just give a shout out to david raviv but there's a question, question from Powen. companies which are doing good work on connected car security any oh questions? yeah well, yeah. So, I mean, I got definitely have to shine my own spotlight here. Uh, but obviously, Brian Thorne, which is the company I'm uh, the, the group CEO of, we do a lot of connected car penetration testing. Um, so, uh, you know, we do uh, more more on the red team adversarial um, emulation side of, of connected car security like TCUs and head units. Um, there are companies that are doing that are more on the defense and the, the defenders and versus the breakers. Um, you know, and and uh, those are companies like Block Harbor, whom I've just um, actually had a meeting with last week. Um, so you know there there's there's all kinds of I think um also Grim uh, does does some connected car security stuff as well. Um, hey Pawan Pawan uh yes. but yeah um <laughs> I, if i'm massacring anyone's name i apologize um but, but yeah feel, i mean feel, it's, feel free to hate, hate speech over there guys because uh it's on the internet now and we have to there's no retweets over here <laughs> you only get one yeah. shot <laughs> yeah yeah no hate speech no, don't hate <laughs> um but um yeah i mean it, it depends on what you're looking for you know there's people that can help you secure it and there's people that can help you break it and figure out what the vulnerabilities are and i'm more on the breaker side yeah, thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for that question as well, Pawan and Siddharth. And hello to David as well. I'm, I'm just clicking a pause over there again. I've still got about 12 people on Twitch, another 12-ish on LinkedIn, I think. But if you if you guys want to leave a question, feel free to leave a comment. Or if you just want to say hi to Alyssa as well, that's awesome. Hey, yeah, um, if you just want to say hi. If you just want to ask me what my favorite color is or what cereal I eat in the morning, uh, Cinnamon oh. Toast Crunch. I'm a Cinnamon Toast Crunch girl. Cinnamon toast crunch. Is that even a thing? color is purple. What? Is that even a thing? Cinnamon it toast crunch? Th it is a thing. Okay. I'm sorry, but it doesn't matter what you guys think and girls think. The best thing in the world is cinnamon toast. I don't care who you are or what country you live in or what. You take some white bread, toast that up, put some a bunch of butter on it and sprinkle it with cinnamon and sugar. Oh, my God. And, yeah, they turned it into a cereal. It is a thing. Oh my God. Okay. All right. I'm going to check that out as well. But it's funny you mentioned uh, your favorite color because we, I do have a section for that uh, oh, later on. But, yeah. So I'm just mindful of the time as well for a lot of people. I think we have, we have 15 more minutes in. But um, if pe people who are in the comments can leave your questions or feel free to reach out to Alyssa later on. Um, if you want to leave uh, a hello to Alyssa and where, where you're from, that would be awesome as well. Um, just so we spoke about CEOs and CISOs and I guess how they why they should be considering this important. Spoke about API security as well. Um, just taking a leap from Pawan's question that in terms of the pen testing that you've done for some of the car connected car companies, is there any that you can probably share are good examples of connected cars? Like what car can I buy now? Can I not buy any car? <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, unfortunately, um, things like, you know, s- security controls for your car aren't in the hands and aren't in the power of consumers. I actually spoke at CES um, at this year, or last year, and um, I don't think there's going to be any conferences this year at all, um, but no, um, last year. And, uh, you know, this brought this got brought up. You know, you can't, like, you can drive over to Best Buy and buy a firewall or security device for your home Wi-Fi network. But you can't pull over and go to Best Buy and say, hey, do you guys have any firewalls for my electronic control units in my car? You know, it's like, first of all, they're not going to know what an ECU is in the first place. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 you know, unfortunately outside of our control, but we as consumers need to change the narrative. And when we're shopping for a car, we need to not, you know, we need to stop asking questions about what color this car comes in and, you know, what color interior I can get. We need to ask questions like, you know, we need to research, right? We need to research whether or not um, this particular OEM of this head unit, his, uh, you know, is c- cares about security. We need to look on their website. We need to look at the stuff they're posting. You know, we as consumers need to demand more and do more research uh, before we go out there to buy a car. Um, we need to change uh, our, because uh, if we don't start holding the feet to the you know to the fire of, of these OEMs and these car makers, they're not going to change. They're going to say consumers don't care about this, and and we do. That's the thing is we do. Is there a way to kind of share this across? Yeah, and to your point about consumers, because most of the consumers don't care. They just plug in their hair straightener, and they're like, "Oh, I'm happy with this. I, it does yeah. the job." Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. you know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like look at I mean, look at stupid things like like hot spots inside your car. Like seriously, let's talk about that for a minute. Who the hell cares if there's a hot spot in your car? Do you re- are when you're looking at cars and you're like, "Oh my god, it's got a hot spot." Oh, you have to pay $40 a month for it. Uh, <laughs> why when I've got a cell phone? Like, you know, like uh, that's ridiculous. Well, like, we have, we have buses with Wi-Fi these days as well. So, and airplanes with Wi-Fi. Everyone's connected yeah, like, these days. Why? Like, <laughs> I mean, think about it. Think about it for a minute. And now this, and now we've got 5G, right? So you look at the 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 transfer speeds for for um for 5G. I mean, it's astronomical. It's faster than our home internet connections. Yeah. I mean, it's it's insane. So I mean, if you look at the you know what we can do on 5G whether or not um look at this I, okay download speeds of one to three gigabits per second do you think that oversaturated wi-fi in the bus is really going to be able to do one to three gigabits per second that's ridiculous um we that's faster than than most well, faster than you can get in your home for internet that's, speed. That's right. That's so right. Like, you know and i one of my clients uh, a major car maker so told me like we're not going to be doing this anymore. We're going to be phasing out the hotspot. Yeah, because you had what one person in the last five years pay for it, and the, you know, and that was an accident. Probably they probably didn't, and then they paid for it and forgot they paid for it and forgot they have it. You know, it's like oh my god. I mean, it's like, seriously, but you know, I, I think we need to start considering what's more important. Like I'm driving around with my wife and kids in the car. Um, yep. I, you know, it's one thing for a hacker to deface a website. It's another thing for a hacker to take control of my car and crash it into a wall. And that right. is a thing now. It's not just Hollywood. It's a thing. Yeah. Like you can yeah. do I think that. Carry as well to, to the point that a lot of people don't care about this as well. To to the point that I think the security people came across come across as a paranoid guys like i'm not going to do that and you're right 
for a large extent, they, they, no one wants the other people to be affected by something. Like, so if you're selling a car, you don't want them to go and crash on this or and affect their family or loss of life, probably worst case scenario, but you don't want that on anyone. But then you, I think to your point, maybe a lot of car companies are ignoring that and pushing that to the end. They're like, oh, okay, don't worry about this because we haven't found anything, so it should be good. No one yeah. has complained about don't this. Look it should be behind the curtain. Don't look. Yeah, I mean, I don't want everyone to think that the sky is falling. I'm not one of those people. You know, I mean, one of the things I can tell you is that things are changing. Like car makers are requiring OEMs to do penetration testing of their devices um, if it, you know, if it can talk. Um, you know, they, they are requiring a proof of a vulnerability report, a risk assessment, whether it's EVIDA or any other risk assessment methodology. Um, so, I mean, it's, it is changing. And I think, you know, everyone is to blame. Like, if you think about it, right? So if you guys remember the GPAC, right? They, they don't say the name of the OEM um, whose head unit was involved in that GPAC. They say Jeep. Right, it's Chrysler. Chrysler got yep. thrown under the proverbial bus, no pun intended. Um, in, in that situation, it's Jeep, 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 Jeep. But I know the particular OEM's head unit. That was nobody knows about that. Nobody, nobody thinks about the the company's. Uh, that's not a Jeep head unit. It's a head unit for one of its OEMs. And you know, it, the the car makers need to be better about saying, "Hey, look, it's not you that's going to be all plastered all over CNN when this is hacked. It's us. It's our brand. It's not the OEM's brand. It's our brand." And so, yes, you are going to do a pen test. We don't care how much it costs. You are going to do a, a risk assessment. We don't care how much it costs, or we're or we're not going to award you this RFP. So they're actually putting these requirements in the RFP when the RFP goes out on the street. That's, that's really good. And I think I'm glad that they are as well, because for people, it's kind of like the uh, uh, the agreement that people say yes or no to. There's no terms and conditions. Every time you sign up for a new service and you just say yes and like, oh, yeah, whatever. It seems to be the right thing. And yeah. take my data. <laughs> so yeah. like, exactly. I, I, they don't look I, at the, the small print. You know? Yeah. yeah. I've, so I wish the RFCs would make sure that this gets included and people are at least notified so tomorrow that the it becomes much more common. It's as common as people talking about privacy in Facebook. It, it should be as yeah. common as that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, and and I don't know. I mean, I I'm guilty of that too. I'm pot calling the kettle black. But I mean, you know, I hate reading those things too. But I'm starting to pay more attention. Like you know, um, actually, um, our our my wife and I's best friend um, pointed out this morning the new the um, uh, iOS release. And how it enables the API for um, contact tracing, right? So, um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Apple and Google got together and they've built this API um, to support contact tracing apps, and that's for COVID nineteen. So, um, your whether or not you're infected with COVID nineteen or anyone you you know that's infected with COVID nineteen, if they've got this new version of iOS and they've installed the the contact tracing app that health data, your health data of whether or not you're sick or whether or not you've been infected with COVID-19, all of that is, is shared it's, and it's enabled by this new API. And I, okay, I want to say this, I want to be abundantly clear with all of you because a lot of you are probably looking as shocked as a sheesh right now. Um, it doesn't automatically send your health data. It does, you, you have to go out and download a contact tracer app. 
from the App Store. So if you've got the new 13.5 release of iOS that came out, I think, today or yesterday, I don't know when it came out a few days ago, um, you have to download a contact tracer app just because the API is enabled on your phone. However, I do want to make it clear that if you download a contract tracer app, you cannot disable the contact tracer API functionality. You cannot disable that data being shared. So as long as you don't install a contact tracer app, you're fine. Um, but the API support is enabled in the new iOS. So Well, I guess the government is doing a great job of tracing that anyways, right? Um, like the Australian government has a, an app called COVID Safe which is basically uh, keeping a track on who is infected and it uses yeah. Bluetooth at the moment to go, if I'm standing right next to you and if I had COVID-19 or I was tested positive, you instantly get a notification saying, or at least my assumption is instantly, that you are uh, around someone who has COVID-19. So you probably you should be cautious. So they already oh, can definitely- Interesting. Oh, yeah, so, now, does it share who you are? Like, does it say Ashish standing next to you in the grocery line is infected with COVID-19? It's obvious though, right? Because Bluetooth. So you're not far oh, from the person. Oh, like, yeah, good point. So it uses so Bluetooth. You, oh, wow. Yeah, yes. So it expects you to have Bluetooth on. And I do want to do a complete episode on this as well because I find it really oh, interesting. Yeah. Because Especially since I'm... Episode. Especially since I branded myself as a Bluetooth hacker recently with this whole BLE lock hack videos I've been publishing. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah so I, I, think, I feel like it's really interesting from that perspective as well, right? Where you have, I guess, you have something which is like a double-edged sword. You want to be notified if you're standing next to someone who's COVID-19, but at the same time, you don't want to give your information away as well. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's kind of like, okay, imagine if this happened. Okay. All right. This is going to be controversial, a controversial statement, but imagine 20, 30 years ago, right? And when HIV exploded and it was all in now, right now it's all about cancer. Everyone's dying from cancer, right? You never really hear about anyone dying with, of AIDS anymore. It's, they figured out how for us to live with HIV and live with AIDS. They've, they figured that out, like, right? But like now everyone's dying of cancer. But what if you 20, 30 years ago, a 30, 40 years ago, what if, you know, you had an app, right, that identified everyone that had AIDS around you? Like, oh my God, like people would be in an yeah. uproar. But now that it's COVID-19, it's like, oh, okay, I want to know if somebody's got COVID-19 next to me, you know, but, so, you know, back then, 40 years ago, like, how politically correct would it be to say, I want to know if somebody next to me has got AIDS? You know, yeah, it's I like, yeah, I think I'm sorry, just to take another leaf on this to your point about that information is still stored somewhere in terms of you yeah. can't still disclose if you had some medical condition. Every form these days has that predisposed condition thing. That's a good point. So, and I wonder if the whole COVID-19 thing, and I know we're going into complete tangents, so I'll come back to the actual thing, but yeah. um uh, just to just to close that one, I, I think it'll be really interesting if people start expecting people to mention that they had COVID-19 in the forms. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. 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 Like, have you ever been diagnosed, you know, for as having positive for COVID-19? You yeah. know, and here's the thing that I'm 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 always talking about is, you know, right now it's COVID-19. When is it gonna be COVID-20, COVID-21? I think 
our society is going to fundamentally change where like in Asia, they walk around, you know, everywhere in China, they walk around with face masks before COVID-19. I think yep. at least in the United States, I can't speak for Australia, but I think at least in the U S I think this is going to be a permanent part of our life. I don't think there's going to be uh, days after COVID-19. I think yep. next is going to be COVID-20, COVID-20. I think we're going to all permanently start walking around with masks I think we're all going to start permanently walking around concerned about that next COVID outbreak and right. social distancing. I don't know if we're ever going to shake hands again when we meet someone for the first time. I think oh, shake yeah. hands is now out. Fist bumps are out. Oh, it's funny. Yeah. yeah, we have David who is online as well, but David mentioned this to me. And I don't know if, it, um, um, if, if, if you are aware of this, but apparently the whole handshake thing started only because people wanted to tell the other person that I'm not carrying a gun and I'm, Friendly. Yeah, that's how bad how far back that goes is I'm not yeah, I don't have a gun in my hand. You know, yeah. so it's it's like I think we just kind of adopt things and it just sticks, you know, for 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 centuries, you know. Yep. And um but uh going back to cart connected cards but like Sunil asked <laughs> a great question, what are your thoughts on over there updates? I'm really glad that Sunil brought this up. Actually, I think I know Sunil. Hi Sunil. Okay. Um <laughs> But uh, I think he's one of my followers. Um, but um, you know, here's the thing: is that uh, OTA is a is a huge attack vector. Like, OTA, so over the air OTA updates is what happens when your car is grabbing firmware updates or whatever updates from the backend o OEM or, or car maker. It's called OTA, and yep. um, that actually. So that was one of the things that our team broke when I was living in Germany is we figured out how to um, reverse engineer the certificate exchange protocol for OTA for one particular car maker. And it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's your car identifying itself with the back end, and that's all done over GSM. And we all know how vulnerable GSM, or I should say sec secure GSM is, but you know, it's, um, so believe it or not, the back end, the car maker actually communicates with the car over SMS, over SMS text messages. And it's all, oh, yeah, like you're getting, S so, oh. so if you, if any of you guys are interested in picking up my book, um, Hacking Connected Cars, it's on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Um, the, there's a chapter on this and I actually show a screenshot of um, Wireshark of me actually using a rogue base station to attack a car uh, through its TCU and uh, me showing a screenshot of a real screenshot of wire of Wireshark and the packets, the GSM tap packets falling uh, over uh, that Wireshark interface. So it's pretty neat. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, hey, hey, Sunil. I think he definitely knows you as well. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm thankful for the question as well, Sunil. All right. We're, we're coming towards the end of the interview and I, I would Aww. love to keep talking. I know. I just, I, I love, talking to you and i'm you sure gotta have me you. back on your show you gotta have me back on your show 100%. i think we definitely need to go a bit more deeper into this but oh, yeah, i usually sure. end my towards the end of my show i have these uh, i guess i just say fun questions as i have to call them, call them so it's not that many just three of them yeah. um first question what do you spend most time on when you're not working on cloud or technology oh god um so um <laughs> 
it's hard to say because my job in 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 tech, my job in security is a lifestyle. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of the fact that cybersecurity isn't a job; it's a lifestyle. So if I'm not doing anything in tech, I'm I'm doing video editing. Um, you know, I'm really big into really big as you guys all know into video, um, uh, or you know, photography, um, or videography. Um, so I'd say I would say videography. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I, I've seen your videos and. Outside, I think YouTube, LinkedIn, you're pretty much I everywhere. missed my calling in, in working for DreamWorks. I, I, I love oh, making everything look cinematic. Well, if the DreamWorks is listening, at least I'm still available if you guys want to reconsider. <laughs> <laughs> I, by the way, I love videos as well. I feel like that's definitely a great way to share a story. Even though something like what we're doing right now, it just connects people yeah. at a whole different level. All right. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, I, I think people still love to read blogs and I love writing. Oh, yeah. Everything is yeah. video these days. Yeah, 100%. I connect more with video as well. Uh, plus, I don't like to read a lot of it. So anyway, that's why I, I digress. Um, what is something that you're proud of, but which is not on your social media? Oh, my God. I There's something I want to talk about because it's it's like covert. It's very covert, top secret. I can't talk about it. Um, but I'm very proud of it. So I can't talk about it, So that means I can't use it because everyone's going to look at me strange. Like, what is she talking about? Um, but I work on this top secret project. I'm really proud of it. But um Okay, I, I would say my family. I'm proud um, to be married to my wife. I'm proud of my son, Danny. Um, hi, Danny. Hi, wife. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'd i say that I'm proud of my family. I'm proud to be part of my family. That's awesome. Um, hi, Danny, as well. I didn't get your <laughs> wife's name, but I'm just, hello, hello wife. <laughs> it's right now. I can't say who she is. Oh, very fair enough. Um, <laughs> question, what's your favorite cuisine or restaurant that you can share? Um, Italian. Italian. I love Italian. Yeah, I'm a pasta girl. I love oh, pasta. Oh. Second would be sushi. I'm a big sushi girl. Oh, any good pasta places or any Italian places in, in Vegas? Oh in my God, a lot. a lot. Um, a my lot. Favorite, my favorite so far that I've been through is this place called um, Amore or um, like Amore? Ami okay. Amore or Love Something. I can't, it okay. was it's like a more or something like that. Ha, Casa de Amore, Casa de Amore. My favorite Italian place in Las Vegas. Sweet, all right, so anyone from Vegas who wants to check out that restaurant as well, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Um, I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time out. That was the end of the interview, oh, but I had such a good time and I can't have to, I can't wait to bring, bring you back on again. And I guess thank, thank, thank you to the audience as well. It's been, it's been like really amazing. We've got 12 on uh, stream on one end and another 12 on the other. So we kind of like, it's like a new high for me as well. Oh, so, uh, all right, yay! I'll take it. It's been amazing. I'll, I'll, I'll say it's me. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to deny kidding. it, but uh, where can people you find know I you, you on social? I know you do. Uh, yeah. where, can you, where can people find you on social? Yeah. Okay, I think I'm at like, like, uh, I like a few few subscriptions away from reaching a thousand subscribers on my youtube channel so everyone please 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 subscribe to me on youtube hit that bell icon to be notified of new uploads i upload new videos every week um uh you can also find me on linkedin uh, linkedin.com in slash Alyssa knight that's Alyssa with an i and knight like swords and shields and uh you can find me on twitter um i'm not on twitch yet um but you can also find me on instagram believe it or not i'm on igtv Oh, IGTV. Well, this is going to go on IGTV and YouTube as well, so people can come back to it. 
Um, I'm surprised how many people from cybersecurity are on Instagram, but thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate yeah, it. And uh, this was going to go on YouTube as well, so you get to reshare it. Yeah. Everyone gets to reach out to you. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, Ashish. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you for listening to that episode of Cloud Security Podcast. If you found some new information from that episode, we would appreciate if you share it with others. Share it with us as well if you have any good feedback or good learnings from the episode. We are on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you don't find us there, you can always go on our website, www.cloudsecuritypodcast.tv to listen to the latest episode. We appreciate your support in helping us grow. It helps us bring more guests. It helps us support the channel. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time and talk to you on the next episode.